Welcome back everybody to Jack Sawanka Talks. I'm Jack Sawanka and today we have a great lineup for you guys. There's been a lot of breaking news that has come out over the past 24 hours with the trade deadline. But we are going to start off talking about a Dodgers legend by the name of Vin Scully. We're going to follow that up by talking about the Arizona Cardinals wide receiver Marquise Brown who has been arrested and we're going to be talking about what that means for the Arizona Cardinals in this upcoming season. Another thing that we are going to be talking about is the NFL appealing Deshaun Watson's six-game extension and the NFLPA suing the NFL for doing that. And to top it all off, we are going to be talking about the rest of the trade deadline because when the podcast released yesterday, there was still about an hour and a half left until the trade deadline officially shut down. And to completely cap it all off we are going to be going over all the MLB scores for players who a lot of players played their first game on a new team all right but what we are going to start off talking about is a Dodgers legend by the name of Vin Scully who was unfortunately passed away at the age of 94 Vin Scully has been with the Dodgers for over 65 years as their broadcaster he retired when he was 89 years old in 2016 but this is a broadcaster who has truly seen it all and if you are a baseball fan maybe you don't know his name but you have definitely heard his voice but this was definitely a guy where if you lived in Los Angeles, it doesn't matter if you were a sports fan or not, you knew who Vin Scully was. And he holds a couple of records. He's seen three perfect games throughout his career. He's been with the Dodgers his entire career, and the Dodgers have been incredible over these past 50 years with many, many new um, many new waves of great players. He started off in the 1950s with P.V. Reese and Jackie Robinson to broadcast for, and then he headed into the 1960s with Sandy Colfax, and then in the 1970s he had Don Sutton, and then in the 1980s he had Fernando Venezuela, then followed by the 90s he had Mike Piazza to to broadcast for, and in this past century, since in these past 22 years, he's broadcasted for Clayton Kershaw, uh, legendary Manny Ramirez and Yasiel Puig so this guy has definitely seen pretty much everything that you can see when you are a broadcaster this guy is quite possibly the greatest MLB broadcaster or maybe the greatest broadcaster of all time but definitely the greatest Dodgers definitely the greatest California broadcaster and I don't think anybody comes close to it he holds a couple of records. He is he was the youngest broadcaster to broadcast a World Series. He was 25 years old when he broadcasted his first World Series and that record still stands today. And let's see, he broke that record 70 years ago. So that's definitely something significant. His last game was back in October of 2016 when the Dodgers beat the San Francisco Giants 9-5 at Oracle Park. And a tribute to him was shown on the video board, even though they were not at Dodger Stadium. But overall, this guy was another reason this guy was such a great broadcaster was because he always told stories, 
when he was broadcasting. He always told stuff about himself, and when you listen to him, if you listen to a game that he did, even just one inning, then you can definitely tell that he was comfortable behind the microphone, and you felt like you really had a connection to him, even though you never even met him. But, yeah, overall, this guy has had probably the most successful broadcasting career. He's a legend in L.A. and has seen three perfect games. And, yeah, there's nobody who has seen so much legendary baseball. He was also able to see Hank Aarons hit his 715th home run and break Babe Ruth's record in 1974. And Scully called it. But this is by far the best broadcaster in the history of Major League Baseball. All right. What we're talking about next is the Arizona Cardinals. As everybody knows, uh, one of their wide receivers, their main wide receiver, has been suspended throughout the for the entire season. And that is DeAndre Hopkins. So a lot of people were looking to Marquise Brown, who came over from the Baltimore Ravens, to fill that gap while he was out for this season. Unfortunately, Marquise Brown was arrested with criminal speeding on Wednesday morning, and Arizona criminal speeding is considered 20 miles an hour over the speed limit, and he is being held in jail for 30 days at the max, and I don't think he will, it will not be affected for the regular season, but I want to know how this might affect preseason, because preseason is a little bit undervalued in my opinion, in the way that quarterbacks pretty much all teammates in general but especially quarterbacks and receivers really try to find a connection and find some routes that they like to throw to each other and especially if it's a newer receiver to the team like Kyler Murray has been there for a couple years now but Marquise Brown has not and this is his first year with the team he's been with Baltimore the rest of his career so I don't think Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown really know what routes that they're strong with and what each other's strengths are other than film and maybe a little bit of training camp but once you get up to the full speed of a preseason game that is when uh, quarterbacks and receivers and other teammates all really start to try to find the connection and I want to know if this Marquise Brown being arrested will slow that down and hurt the Cardinals even more even if it's not in the actual regular season and the Cardinals are already in a very hard division. They're with the 49ers and the Rams, who are definitely going to be comp- competing for that division title. I-, I got the Rams getting that division title. But I think another distraction that could possibly affect the Arizona Cardinals is this whole Kyler Murray drama that's been going on. If you're not aware, Kyler Murray had um, something put in his contract where he was forced to watch four hours of film every single week, which is pretty much nothing for an NFL quarterback. You're pretty much expected to do that, but there's been rumors that he really likes Call of Duty, and he sometimes values that over his NFL football work. Now, the Seahawks are pretty much out of it for this year. Unless they can get Jimmy Garoppolo from the San Francisco 49ers, I have no faith that Drew Locke is going to even be able to get them to third place in that division. However, the Rams and the 49ers are very good. I think I'm going to go with the, the... I got the Rams winning this division just because of Trey Lance. 
Now, I'm not going to say Trey Lance is going to be a bad quarterback or anything. I got him making the biggest jump out of any of those young quarterbacks, especially since they probably will not be starting Jimmy Garoppolo. They're putting all their chips into Trey Lance. And Trey Lance has some nice weapons built around him, but he does not have quite the experience that Matthew Stafford or anybody has like that. So I think, especially with Marquise Brown getting arrested, I got Arizona falling down to third place this year. And they came off a six-game losing streak last year. Maybe they'll start off okay, but I don't even think they're going to make it halfway through the season solid before they collapse. I think they'll maybe make a couple nice wins. I think they'll maybe squeak in uh, week one, week two win, but then just collapse week eight absolute max. And then probably around week five, I'm going to guess that they collapse. And then, but I don't think they're going to be bad enough to fall below the Seattle Seahawks. All right, and now another topic that I wanted to discuss today is Deshaun Watson, who was suspended six weeks the other day by Judge Sue L. Robinson. And there was a rule built in where the judge makes the decision, but then the NFL and the commissioner have 72 hours to make an appeal and overturn that or change the punishment. And that's exactly what they're doing. And the NFLPA is suing them for it. Do I think that they'll win? Probably not, uh, because it was built in and made this way from the beginning. And the NFL is appealing Watson's suspension. We do not know the new suspension, but I think that they're going to get him out for at least a year uh, throughout this entire process over the past month or two. I've been saying they're going to get they're going to punish him for 15 weeks bare minimum. But when everybody saw that it was only six weeks, everybody freaked out because it's such a small amount of time and the Browns still have a chance to do good then when Sean Watson's just a straight up creep. All right, but now that we've discussed the Cleveland Browns, oh yeah, I do want to do one more thing with the Cleveland Browns. I want to discuss how that how this new suspension or possibly season long suspension will affect their playoff chance or their division chances. All right, so number one of the season, I have the Cincinnati Bengals. They added a couple weapons at O line to help Joe Burrow not get killed back there like he did the last Super Bowl. Um, other than that, second, I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens because they got Lamar Jackson. The only concern with the Baltimore Ravens I have is that they don't have too many receivers. And most of the, I don't think any of their receivers have caught more than 50 in-game passes from him in their careers. And his main target is their tight end, Mark Andrews. And other than that, if Mark Andrews falls or gets injured or anything and collapses, then I think the Ravens are done for this season. So they have to rely on Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson staying healthy. All right, another thing that they have to do is they have to let Lamar Jackson just use his legs and be a scrambler QB. They have done that over the past couple years, and they just have to continue that. All right, so I got the Baltimore Ravens coming in second. Coming in third, if... Uh, Deshaun Watson gets a season-ending suspension. I'm actually going to have to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers here just because the Pittsburgh Steelers have two quarterbacks, two pretty risky quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett 
going to be a brand new rookie out of Pittsburgh. Drafted first round this year. And then Mitch Chubisky, who has been with the Bears for most of his career. However, he was with the Buffalo Bills last year. He was able to see how Josh Allen was all able to control the game. A very solid quarterback. And maybe that will be like an Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes thing. Where Mitch Chubisky sees what he's supposed to do. And then... Maybe he can adapt into an actually good quarterback. And I don't think Mitch Shibisky was ever a bad quarterback. I think that it was mostly Nagy's fault for putting him in terrible situations and making terrible play calls. But overall, I think Mitch Shibisky could have been something. Is his career over? I don't think so. But I don't think he's anywhere what he could have been one day. He was the second overall pick. And yeah. Alright, but now we are moving on to dead last in the division, the Cleveland Browns. They traded Baker Mayfield, but even if they didn't trade Baker Mayfield, they weren't going to start him because the Browns didn't want him and he didn't even want to be in Cleveland. So they're most likely going to be starting Jacoby Brissett, who has proven to be an okay backup quarterback, but this guy is definitely not a starter. He's been with Indianapolis most of his career he was with Miami Dolphins last year where he played 11 games throughout that and passed for 1200 yards and then in 2019 he had a pretty full season he played 15 games and only passed for 3000 yards which is below what you would like in a starter quarterback all right but Jacoby Brissett he's a nice backup to have I think but I think he's a very valuable backup, but he is certainly not good enough to be a starter quarterback. If you look at the stats, they just show it. They speak for themselves. He's never played a full 16-game season. The closest he's become is 15 games in 2019, like I just read out, and he didn't even hit 3,000 yards. That's a disappointment. All right, but now what we are going to be talking about is the MLB trade deadline. We're going to be talking about one MLB team who I genuinely think could make a deep postseason run, and I think that everybody is overlooking, and that team is in the NL East, which is why they're being overlooked, because they're in third place behind the New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves, and I am talking about the Philadelphia Phillies. They added three. They had they added a couple really good weapons. They added Noah Syndergaard, David Robertson, and Brandon Marsh of the LA Angels. And Noah Syndergaard was kind of struggling over in LA. But let's be honest, everybody over there was struggling. Anthony Rendon got that season-ending injury. And David Robertson was just on a crappy team and being overlooked in Chicago. And Brandon Marsh, also crappy in LA. But Overall, I think that with these three additions, Brandon Marsh was bad, had, had a low batting average, but he's had two seasons in the major league so far. Last year, he did not have a terrible year. 317 on base percentage, 254 batting average. Now, and that's not horrible for a rookie, but overall, I feel like Brandon Marsh is could be a better player someday, especially considering he is only 24 years old. And I think that with Syndergaard and Zach Wheeler in the rotation, you add David Robertson to the bullpen. And then in the field, 
you're absolutely stacked. You have Reese Hoskins at first base. You have Bryce Harper out in right field. You have Brandon Marsh out there now. And I think this team could honestly make a very deep run, but they're just in such a tough division. I think that with this new playoff setup, it is going to be 10 times easier for them to make the wild card. And I think they will absolutely make the wild card. I think it could be them in the wild card, the Padres in the wild card. I don't think the Padres can quite make, can quite win the division just because the Dodgers are still so dominant and have a 12 game lead over them so far. You've got Kyle Schwarber blasting 33 home runs this, so far this season. And Alec Bone, who was also playing great at the third base corner. And uh, Nicholas Castellano also. So you pretty much have a stacked outfield. Brandon Marsh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bryce Harper and Nicholas Castellanos. And then you got two great infielders at the corners, Reese Haskins and Alec Bone. JT Realmuto at catcher. Uh, Bryson Stott at second base, who is a prospect who should be coming up and progressing really shortly over the next couple seasons. And then Didi Gregorius kind of underperforming this year. But everybody on paper, this team should play amazing. And most of the players on this team have been playing very solid. But in the outfield, you got uh, Bryce Harper, Castellanos, Schwarber, and this team's absolutely stacked. And I think that they could sneak into a wild card spot, maybe even overtake the Braves in that NL East division, and quite possibly make a deep run into the playoffs as long as everybody can find exactly what they need to do and every starter can bat at least 225 and at least six of the starters bat at least 250. All right, but we are going to be talking about the win my winner and my loser for this deadline. The winner, I think it's quite obvious, very obvious. I think it's the San Diego Padres. Now, this team was already doing pretty solid. They had Machado keeping them above water pretty much all season. And then, yeah, and then he, they, he kept them in the hunt behind the LA Dodgers all season. And then they go out into the deadline and are complete buyers. And now Tatis has been injured all season. Their start, Fernando Tatis Jr., our shortstop, has been injured all season. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's taking a rehab start in the minors pretty soon, I think within this next week. He's been taking some live batting practice. And I think that this quite possibly could be the year the San Diego Padres win their first World Series. And then just the aggressiveness at this deadline. Josh Hader from the Milwaukee Brewers, Juan Soto from the Juan Soto and Josh Bell from the Washington Nationals and Fernando Tatis is going to come back. So with Tatis, Machado, Soto and Hader, this team is going to be absolutely crazy on offense. It doesn't matter what's on the pitching side. This team is going to be able to outscore its performer, its opponent every single time. And it's not like they're lacking on defense either. Mike Clevenger, Hugh Darvish, Luis Garcia, Josh Hader now, Sean Maniad, starting pitcher, and Joe Musgrove. So, and Blake Snell, who has come back from an injury. He was injured in the very beginning of the season. And as long as his pitching staff can hold their weight, this team is absolutely the front runner in making it to the World Series for the National League, which is why I got the Yankees and the Padres. 
in the division, in the World Series, I'm sorry, and yeah, and then we're just going to have to see how the Yankees and Padres both hold up for the rest of the season, if you want my full prediction of who is actually going to win it, but the Padres being completely overlooked here, not overlooked, but I think that they're going to make it a lot deeper than everybody says they are. However, the Houston Astros also made a couple of very nice deals. They were able to get another catcher. No disrespect to Maldonado, but they were able to get Trey Mancini as well. And yeah, and they were able to add a reliever with Will Smith. No no disrespect to Martin Maldonado. He's a very good defensive catcher, but he is not what you call the best with the bat, which is why they had to add a catcher in Christian Vasquez from the Boston Red Sox. So I think this team can make it all the way to the ALCS, and I think we're going to have an Astros-Yankees rematch, just like the 2019 ALCS, where Jose Altuve knocked that famous walk-off home run to send them to the World Series. All right, now we are going to be talking about all the MLB scores from yesterday's game. First off, the San Diego Padres, who we were just talking about, annihilated the Colorado Rockies 13-5 in yesterday's game. The Padres move to 60-46, and while the Rockies fall to the exact opposite record, 46-60. and All right, now we head over to Miami, where the Cincinnati Reds are visiting and are able to take down the home team just barely 2-1 to one as Cincinnati claims its 42nd win and the Miami Marlins stay at 47 wins. Alright, now we're going to the NL Central matchup of the day. The Brewers and Pirates where the Pirates were able to make an upset on the division leading Brewers winning 5-3. to three. It was the Pittsburgh Pirates 41st win as it was the 46th loss for the Milwaukee Brewers. Alright, now we move over to an NL East matchup. Sellers at the deadline, the Washington Nationals, were able to prevail, winning 5-1 in that game. It was the Washington Nationals' 36th win of the season. Before that, they had twice as many losses as they did wins. And it was the New York Mets' 38th loss. However, they still have a winning record by about 30 wins. Alright, Seattle Mariners headed over to the New York Yankees where they were able to get the win 8-6 and that was the 57th win for the Seattle Mariners while the Yankees stay at 70 wins. Alright, now 6-3 victory for the Arizona Diamondbacks who traded David Peralta to the Tampa Bay Rays earlier yesterday. 6-3 win for them. 46th win for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and it was the 50th loss for the Cleveland Guardians, who are just barely ahead of the Chicago White Sox in their division. Alright, Blue Jays headed all the way across the country, all the way down to Tampa Bay, where they lost 3-1. The Blue Jays able to nab a few names in the trade deadline. Uh, seemed very successful ever since they fired their manager. They are now 12 games over 500, and the Tampa Bay Rays are 16 games over 500. Two very solid teams in a very competitive 
division, both going for the win in their division. And we're just going to have to see if the Blue Jays can catch all the way up to the New York Yankees. All right, but now we are going to be going to the NL East again, where the Phillies are visiting the Braves. Got a full-on beatdown, 13-1 to loss for the, Philadelphia, for the Philadelphia Phillies. They are now eight games ahead of 500 at 56 and 48 while the Braves are 63 and 42. All right, now we head over to the AL Central. The Detroit Tigers take down the Minnesota Twins 5 to 3. It was the, it was the Detroit Tigers 42nd win of the season while the Minnesota Twins barely holding on to their division 55 and 49, but they were able to have a very nice trade deadline and hopefully that secures it for them in the AL Central. Alright, NL Central matchup. Very division rivals. The Chicago Cubs going up against the St. Louis Cardinals where the Cubs got shut out 0-6 to by the St. Louis Cardinals. It was the Cardinals' 55th win while the Cubs stayed 20 games below 500 at 41-61. and Wainwright shut out the Chicago Cubs pitching seven pitching seven innings and only allowing no earned runs. All right, Baltimore Orioles headed over to the Texas Rangers, eight to two win for Baltimore. It was the 54th win for a team that was sellers at the deadline, and I was kind of surprised with that because I thought they might just stay content. But now that I think about it, it was a very good move because they are on the verge of making a giant boost up and in a very competitive division they knew that they were not going to win so they sold off their Jorge Lopez and a couple other guys like Trey Mancini and they got even more prospects this team is going to be good in a couple of years and quite possibly win the very competitive AL East in just a few short years two to three years and the Rangers eh not looking at quite as bright as the Baltimore Orioles do, but the Baltimore Orioles could have a shot to go deep in the playoffs within these next couple of years. All right, Kansas City Royals going up against the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox won nine to two in that game. The White Sox finally looked back, back like they're like a real team, like they were last year again. It was the White Sox 53rd win of the season while the Royals take their 64th loss. The Royals continue to struggle while the White Sox have another peak of possibly going off again. All right, now Boston Red Sox against the Houston Astros, where the Red Sox just traded their catcher to the Houston Astros while they're in a series against the Astros. The Red Sox are able to win, just squeak out a win, just barely, 2-1, to one, and that was their 53rd win of the season. They are officially a 500 team, while the Astros are still 30 wins above 500. All right, the Oakland Athletics go up against the LA Angels where they are able to win against pretty much the worst team in Major League Baseball. The Angels win three to one in that game. Both teams, terrible teams in the AL West, especially the A's. You can't even say they have a nice stadium like you can the Angels. The Athletics have the lowest, popu the lowest average game attendance and their only and their attendance is only 2,000 above their AAA team, which is quite honestly very sad. All right, Dodgers Giants, the second biggest rivalry 
in Major League Baseball just behind New York versus Boston. And the Dodgers are able to win this one. 9-5 Tyler Anderson pitched for the Dodgers while Alex Wood pitched for the San Francisco Giants. And the Dodgers able to snag their 70th win of the season. While the Giants, after having an 107 win season, fall another game below 500. They are now 51-53 and 53 on the season. Alright, and for the last game of last night, Colorado Rockies visiting the San Diego Padres. Where the Padres are able to get their first win as a brand new squad. 3-2 the final score. It was the 60th win for the San Diego Padres. And it was the 60th loss for the Colorado Rockies. That does it for today's podcast, everybody. Thank you for listening. I am Jack Saronka from Jack Saronka Talks. Make sure to check back in tomorrow for another nice podcast. And we talk about it every day. Make sure to check out. All right. See you later.